0: Eternal, righteous and invisible Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us another opportunity to study your word and we also thank you for the temporal blessings we get and the fact that we are even alive in the first place. We give glory to your name, dear Lord. Now be with us as we study and grant us of your spirit, grant us understanding, help us Lord to go in depth as we study Lord, may your spirit also give us power to perform that which we learn. Put your words in my mouth for the sake of your children that we all may be blessed by the words spoken. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. January 24 The ideal for all humanity And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature And in favor with God and man. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Christ lived the life of a toiler from his earliest years. In his youth, he worked with his father at the carpenter's trade and thus honored all labor. Though he was the king of glory, yet by his practice of following a humble employment, He rebuked idleness in every member of the human family and dignified all labor as noble and Christ-like. From childhood, he was a pattern of obedience and industry. He was as a pleasant sunbeam in the home circle. Though his wisdom had astonished the doctors, yet he humbly subjected himself to his human guardians. The knowledge he was daily obtaining of his wonderful mission did not disqualify him for performing the most humble duties. He cheerfully took up the work that devolves upon youth who dwell in humble households pressed by poverty. He understood the temptations of children for he bore their sorrows and trials. Firm and steadfast was his purpose to do the right. Though enticed to evil, he refused to depart in a single instance from the strictest truth and rectitude. Christ is the ideal for all humanity. He has left a perfect example for childhood, youth and manhood. He came to this earth and passed through the different phases of human life. He talked and acted like other children and youth except that he did no wrong. Sin found no place in his life. Ever, he lived in an atmosphere of heavenly purity. In the sanctuary of the home, Jesus received his education, not merely from his parents, but from his heavenly father. As he grew older, God opened to him more and more of the great work before him. But notwithstanding his knowledge of this, he assumed no airs of superiority. Never did he, by disrespect, cause his parents pain or anxiety. He delighted to honor and obey them. Although he was not ignorant of his great mission, he consulted their wishes and submitted to their authority. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Ideal for All Humanity The reading we just went through is really wonderful For one to realize his mission To know his origin That he is God The creator of heaven and earth And after realizing this He does not carry himself with an air of superiority Or with any pride But yet lives just like every other human being even after he has known that, it's beautiful to meditate upon. And that's what we're going to look at today, Jesus, the ideal for all humanity. After the Passover visit, we read in Luke 2, verse 48 to 50, it says, And when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt thus with us? Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them they didn't understand Mary and Joseph knew quite alright that Jesus was of a different origin Mary knew who his father was Joseph knew that he was not Jesus's father and as we've said in previous devotions Jesus got to understand this as he was 12 years old and went for that passover visit that was the first time he made it clear to them that he knew who his father was and that he knew who he was the son of god and that his father was the god the father in heaven and from that day on after jesus understood his mission his origin he conducted himself with deeper gravity Sobriety, and will always meditate and contemplate on this mission. Reading from Desire of Ages, page eighty-nine, paragraph six, it says: From the time when the parents of Jesus found him in the temple, his course of action was a mystery to them. He would not enter into controversy. Yet his example was a constant lesson. He seemed as one who was set apart. His hours of happiness were found when alone with nature and with God. Whenever it was his privilege, he turned aside from the scene of his labor to go into the fields, to, medita- to meditate in the green valleys, to hold communion with God on the mountainside or amid the trees of the forest. The early morning often found him in some secluded place, meditating, searching the scriptures or in prayer. From these quiet hours, he would return to his home to take up his duties again and to give an example of patient toil." End of quote. Hmm. The blend of understanding your mission and yet not allowing it to make you be full of yourself, to get into pride and self-exaltation. Besides, this mission did not need any pride at all because he was going to be humiliated Even though he realized he was the Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, he still realized that he was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world and he was going to be crucified. He knew that he was going to die for the world. He knew he was going to be humbled. So how then will he conduct himself in pride? We also, when we realize that we are given the opportunity to be the sons of God. It should not awaken in us any pride or self exaltation. More to come on that in our devotions, in the next devotion that is titled, um, in the subsequent devotions that have to do with the baptism and the temptation of Jesus. But for today, we are looking at Jesus as the ideal for all humanity. One thing that we realize in Jesus' life is that even though he was God and knew very well as a child, He had respect for authority. The Bible says here that Jesus in Luke 2 verse 42 increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men and that he went home and submitted. Luke 2 verse 51 says And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all the saints in her heart. Respect for his parents. Honor your father and your mother even though you are God. He is a human being and he realized his responsibility to his parents. Desire of Ages, page 90, paragraph 1, says, The life of Christ was marked with respect and love for his mother. End of quote. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, we read the following words Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble." And in Leviticus 19, verse 32, we are told, Thou shalt rise before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. What do we learn from here? Age in and of itself is honorable. Not somebody is old and is a righteous man, then I should respect him, no. Even if he a wicked man, the Bible teaches that we must respect our elders and jesus respected his elders to blend this respect for your elders and honor and reverence and complete implicit obedience to god is what we are going to talk about and learn in the life of christ today we've talked about his domestic life and we'll talk a bit about that but then first of all respect it's very important that we recognize that age is honorable and he who is the ancient of days requires that honour be paid to those who are older than ourselves. The hawary head, like we read now, is supposed to be respected. Even in the book of Proverbs, we are told the hawary head is a crown of glory. Those who God has honoured with the uncommon blessing these days—uncommon blessing today—with the uncommon blessing of long life, we ought to honour with the distinguishing expressions of civility. And what are these distinguishing expressions? Rise before the hoary head. The greeting that you give to the older is different from that which you give to one who is your age mate. Be subject to one another, yes. But the way you respect your age mate or someone younger than you is different from that, from the way you respect one who is older than yourself and who is in a higher authority than yourself. And Jesus respected authority. Those who... who in age are wise and good also and who are children of god are deserving of even double honor more respect is to be shown to those who are old and yet are children of god and jesus understood this with his parents he was respectful to them and with others elderly people he was respectful to them and you could see this in the life of jesus when he started his mission you could see that his ministry was marked with that kind of respect Even though there were times he needed to do certain things in the temple, you could see that he respected Caiaphas, Annas, and those in authority. Never did he give them the impression that he was trying to show that he was superior to them and they did not try to usurp authority. Jesus' ministry was not done in the temple in Jerusalem, coming to take over from all the people there because he knows more than them. Out of regard for authority and respect for authority, when the synagogue leaders do not accept him, he leaves them. He does what he wants to do by himself, not coming to contend with them in the synagogue, making it look like he knows more than them. Not going to the temple in Jerusalem, disrespecting the authority. He still did his ministry, but while respecting their authority by his own personal ministry nobody could come and tell him no you, sh- you shouldn't be doing this he did his personal ministry in a way that he was not encroaching into other people's environment and their sphere of influence and to detract from them so that's one lesson we learn from jesus now the other lesson is something we've seen before his domestic life the domestic life of jesus was, is very important and very key to living a life of holiness We read in that I May Know Him, page 30, paragraph 2, as we read today's devotion. Christ lived the life of a toiler from his earliest years. He worked with his father at the carpenter's trade. He honored all labor by doing this. And this we should understand. That part of the life that we are to live is not a life of indolence. In paragraph 3, we are told, The knowledge he was daily obtaining of his wonderful mission did not disqualify him for performing the most humble duties. He cheerfully took up the work that devolves upon youth who dwell in humble households pressed by poverty. So Jesus is not the one to say, Oh, this work is beneath me. I cannot sweep the the, the house. I cannot clean the toilet. Why are you giving me this kind of work? Don't you know I'm the son of God? He did the most humble duty. And you who are thinking that it is beneath you to do the dirty jobs. Look at Jesus in his father's house. He was a carpenter. He did the works that many are ashamed to do today. He was not ashamed to carry wood on his head. He was not ashamed to push a wheelbarrow. He was not ashamed to hold a saw and cut wood. He was not ashamed to hold hammer and nail and hit it into the wood. He was not ashamed to be called a carpenter. Many youths today want to go and do the works that will make them look posh. They don't want to do jobs that make them sweat. They don't want to do jobs that make them look dirty. They don't want to do jobs that look like they are no longer looking as among the prime and proper and the creme de la creme of the society. So they realize this and they see that there's no way around it except you become a cheat, a liar, a deceiver because anybody who must make it in life you must get your hands to do the work that needs to be done so some go to school thinking that that's a way to escape that but they realize in the end of the day when they graduate they still need to go and do some business for those who understand that they go and do the business they open their shops They have a business to do. They do some domestic work. They do some hard jobs. But those who do not want to, who do not realize this, they still stay in their homes looking for something to do, looking for the white collar job. Some get the white collar job and others do not. They go into internet fraud. Jesus did not do internet fraud. We need to have a love for domestic work, a love for business, for honest work. As far as it is honest, our Lord Jesus has already sanctified all these labors by himself doing them and we should not be embarrassed doing them. In Youth Instructor July 27, 1893, paragraph 2, we are told, the life of Jesus was filled with industry and he took exercise in performing varied tasks in harmony with his developing physical strength. In doing the work that was marked out for him. He had no time for indulgence in exciting useless amusements he took no part in that which would poison the moral and lower the physical tone but was trained in useful labor and even for the endurance of hardship this is very important life is not easy it's not good that a child should go through a kind of training where he cannot endure hardship and if you know you receive that kind of tra- training it's not too late for you it is the mind Because there are some people who receive the training that helps them to endure hardship, but they don't like it. They grow up hating it. They don't want want to have anything to do with it. It's the mind. You need to be ready for any kind of work. That's where the endurance for hardship comes in. So it doesn't matter the kind of training you received when you're younger. You can still have a training now or a mindset that endures hardship and not run away from it. Because life as a Christian, especially as a Christian. If you want to be a Christian, Satan will make life hard for you. And if you are not ready to endure hardship, you cannot be a Christian. If you want to keep the commandments of God, be ready. Satan is going to make life difficult. So you need to learn to endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord. And one way to endure hardness in the early years of life is to not run away from domestic duties. You have to work hard. Another thing it does for you is that it improves you physically. We've talked to this before. Jesus was improved physically. In Manuscript Releases, Volume 4, page 235, paragraph 3, we are told Jesus was 30 years old before he entered. At his public ministry. The period of his childhood and youth was one of comparative obscurity, but of the highest importance. He was in this obscurity laying the foundation of what a sound constitution and vigorous mind. He grew and waxed strong in spirit. Luke one verse eighty. It is not as a man bending under the pressure of age that Jesus is revealed to us traversing the hills of Judea. He was in the strength of his manhood. Jesus once stood in age just where you now stand. Your circumstances, your cogitations at this period of your life, Jesus has had. He cannot overlook you at this critical period. He sees your dangers. He's acquainted with your temptations. He invites you to follow his example. Very important for us to note now. Physical strength is important and I've said this. It's not about carrying dumbbells and doing pushups and press-ups and bench presses and squats. it is about the work that is called useful label when you go to the farm use the hole to weed the farm when you dig the ground to plant the seed when you clear the bushes to prepare the soil when you go to your compound in your houses and you are removing the weeds not just the farm now but you are ensuring you are keeping in neat. sweeping the environment you are developing yourself physically when you walk take a walk to go and purchase things for your raw materials for your like jesus was doing he buys his raw materials for his carpentry work and he goes from place to place on foot they were poor so in doing all of this he was developing a sound constitution and this sound constitution was necessary for his ministry it was in his young age that he laid the foundation for that sound constitution that was used to trek the hills of judea from capernaum to galilee from galilee to jerusalem on foot how do you gym the legs for that many people they gym their legs but yet they cannot walk they cannot take a walk they have muscles in their chest and their arms and their legs but yet they are not still strong they just look good outwardly like i've said before it doesn't mean that exercise is not good no if you are in a position where like the truth is in some, some environment, some people are, you can't even be afforded to have a farm around you or to do all these things I mentioned, of, as in taking a hole to clean your environment and sweep the environment. Some people don't have that. And I can understand that you get a treadmill to do some running or you just do some exercise, everybody in their own estate. But the best kind is this type where it is useful labor, where you have spent your energy, your body has been developed. And not just that. You have achieved something in the process when you have done all the bench presses you've not really achieved anything but when i have washed i've used my energy to wash my body has been developed i've used my energy to wash my body has been developed and my clothes have been made clean i've used my energy to to clean the environment two things have happened i've expended energy my muscles have been developed i've inhaled fresh air and yet the environment is clean i have planted a seed i have cleared the soil what has happened I'm preparing for myself food that I would eat in the future and at the same time I'm benefiting from it physically. And then there was something else we see in the life of Christ. In doing all of this, he had no time for dissipation. Continuing the reading in paragraph 4, it says, His youth was not wasted in indolence, neither was it wasted in sensual pleasure, self-indulgence, or frittered away in things of no profit. Not one of his hours, I would say even minutes. From childhood to manhood was misspent. None were misappropriated. He lived temperately. His precious hours were not wasted in dissipating pleasures. He had a truly healthy body and true powers of mind. His physical and mental powers could be expanded and developed as yours or any other youth. The word of God was his study as it should be yours. End of quote. So we see here how it is that Jesus was able to escape temptation. By being busy all the time, he didn't have time for the devil to tempt him and when he comes to the end of his day, it is not difficult for him to sleep. And The night time is a time when the devil comes with a lot of temptations for the youth and for adults today. As for Jesus, because of the work he has done during the day, he goes to sleep very easily and doesn't give the devil any opportunity to tempt him. So. That's it on Jesus' domestic life and it's an ideal for us. It's an ideal. Now, another beautiful part of it is the combination of obedience to God and obedience to man. You see, Jesus had a spiritual independence too. Living in a time where the Jews had apostatized from the true faith and had left the word of God to fables, he did not depend on the rabbis, scribes, doctors and lawyers of his day for a knowledge of the truth and of his father. He had to study for himself and he learned very early not to do as others, to, to, to be a non-conformist. He learned to go against the narrative even if it meant he lived a life of non-compliance and made him out of harmony with the world. He did not care. Combining his respect for his elders and his love for God, he knew how to respectfully disagree with leaders and not make an inch of compromise while still being polite. He knew how to be submissive to every man, yet unyielding to their own biblical demands. Let's see how this happened. In the book Desire of Ages, page 4, paragraph 2, we are told, As the condition of the people began to open to his mind, he saw that the requirements of society and the requirements of God were in constant collision. Men were departing from the word of God and exalting theories of their own invention. They were observing traditional rites that possessed no virtue. Their service was a mere round of ceremonies. The sacred truths it was designed to teach were hidden from the worshippers. He saw that in their faithless services, they found no peace. They did not know the freedom of spirit that would come to them by serving God in truth. Jesus had come to teach the meaning of the worship of God and he could not sanction the mingling of human requirements with the divine precepts. He did not attack the precepts or practices of the learned teachers, but when reproved for his own simple habits, he presented the word of God in justification of his conduct. End of quote. This is beautiful here, especially as a young person, even as an adult, to be submissive, respectful, and yet to make your point. The fact that Jesus stood in gentle opposition to the popular teachings in his day is evident from his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He addressed teaching after teaching which were false. You hear him say things like you have heard that it has been said this. Where did he hear it? When he was younger he knew. He was telling them the life he lived, all the sermons that Jesus preached, he was preaching his life. You have heard that it has been said thou shalt not kill," but I say unto you. These were things he has observed from his from his childhood. I say unto you, if you say Raka or thou fool, or if you hate you're angry with your brother without a cause. you have killed that's basically what he was saying this was he, the life he lived and the way he was correcting it was not by speaking but by living and when he's asked questions he would give reasons from the word of God for why he was doing what he was doing which was not in harmony with, with what others were, were doing he addressed all these teachings that were false he didn't just notice these false teachings as a man he noticed them since he was a youth and lived against them he knew that it was these teachings that had kept the Jews in a constant coalition with God and made them lose his favor. Page 86 Paragraph 3 of Desire of Ages says Christ was not exclusive and he had given special offence to the Pharisees by departing in this respect from their rigid rules. He found the domain of religion fenced in by high walls of seclusion as too sacred a matter for everyday life. These walls of partition he overthrew. In his contact with men he did not ask, what is your creed? To what church do you belong? He exercised his helping power in behalf of all who needed help. Instead of secluding himself in a hermit's cell in order to show his heavenly character, he labored earnestly for humanity. Amen. You see, but as Jesus was polite, there's, there's something else that we should notice about this. Politeness and submissiveness are strong. In the minds of men, it comes with its apparent drawback of being a pushover. It's not a drawback, but in the minds of men, it looks that way. Jesus, because of his submissiveness, seemed to be a pushover. But on conversing with him, anyone could see that beneath the outward and yet genuine submissiveness of Jesus was an indomitableness that could not be bent to do anything in the least against his convictions of right. Page 85 of paragraph 1 and 2 of Desire of Ages says In every gentle and submissive way, Jesus tried to please those with whom he came in contact. He's the kind of person who you tell, do this, and he, yes sir, do this, yes sir. It's like that. And there's a tendency to think that such people are pushovers. Going on in the reading, he says, because he was so gentle and unobtrusive, the scribes and elders supposed that he would be easily influenced by their teaching. They urged him to receive the maxims and traditions that had been handed down from the ancient rabbis, but he asked for the authority in the holy writ. He would hear every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, but he could not obey the inventions of men. Jesus seemed to know the scriptures from beginning to end, and he presented them in their true import. The rabbis were ashamed to be instructed by a child. They claimed that it was their office to explain the scriptures and that it was his place to accept their interpretation. They were indignant that he should stand in opposition to their word. They knew that no authority could be found in the scripture for their traditions. They realized that in spiritual understanding, Jesus was far in advance of them. Yet they were angry because he did not obey their dictates. Failing to convince him, they sought Joseph and Mary and set before him his cause of non-compliance. Thus he suffered rebuke and censure. End of quote. You see, the Bible says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus was the one who knew what this meant above all others. In his later life, he revealed just what he had practiced in his childhood and youth. He declared that love to God is the first commandment, That not even his parents, scribes, Pharisees, rabbi could make him to go in any way against God. He suffered for it. And we also may find ourselves in the same situation. Don't think that, oh, out of, I just need to obey all the time, even when they ask me to do wrong. Not Jesus. If not, the devil would have had him. Jesus was ready to suffer censure from his parents and from elders because of his obedience to God page 86 paragraph 1 says, "In ages, At a very early age, Jesus had begun to act for himself in the formation of his character, and not even respect and love for his parents could turn him from obedience to God's word. It is written was his reason for every act that varied from the family customs, but the influence of the rabbis made his life a bitter one. Even in his youth, he had to learn had the hard lesson of silence and patient endurance." End of quote. And this is the lot of many of us today both youths, children, and adults. You will always have people who are in higher authority than yourself, especially the youths and children. To combine obedience to God and respect and love for man, it seems a difficult thing. But we learn from the life of Christ the ideal of how to conduct ourselves with politeness, with submissiveness, with respect yet disagreeing, asking Whenever you are told to do something that is not in harmony with the word of God, you just simply have to ask, where does it say that in the word of God? And if you cannot be convinced from the word of God to do something, then you can respectfully disagree and say, I cannot do this. And that was how Jesus lived his life. He was not stubborn. He was not a person who would attack people or speak disrespectfully just because they are asking him to do something wrong. He will not raise his voice just because he feels like he's an Elijah. No, he will not shout at them and say, Woe unto you, and they were his elders. He was a young one and he will receive rebuke even from his family members. But yet, he will keep doing what he was convicted was right. He knew how to be independent. Reading Desire of Ages, page 88, paragraph 2 and 3, we are told, Of the bitterness that falls to the lot of humanity, there was no part which Jesus did not taste. There were those who tried to cast contempt upon him because of his birth, and even in his childhood he had to meet their scornful looks and evil whisperings. If he had responded by an impatient word or look, if he had conceded to his brothers by even one wrong act, he would have failed of being a perfect example. Thus, he would have failed of carrying out the plan for our redemption. Had he even admitted that there could be an excuse for sin, Satan would have triumphed and the world would have been lost. This is why the tempter worked to make his life as trying as possible that he might be led to sin. But to every temptation he had one answer, it is written. He rarely rebuked any wrongdoing of his brothers, but he had a word from God to speak to them. Often he was accused of cowardice for refusing to unite with them in some forbidden act. But his answer was, It is written. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Job 28, verse 28. Going down to page 89, paragraph 2 and 3, says, Often he was asked, Why are you bent on being so singular, so different from us all? It is written, he said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Psalm 119, verse 1 to 3. When questioned why he did not join in the frolics of the youth of Nazareth, he said, It is written, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy words. Psalm 1 119 verse 14 to 16. Jesus did not contend for his rights. Often his work was made unnecessarily severe because he was willing and, un- and uncomplaining. Yet he did not fail nor become discouraged. He lived above these difficulties, as if in the light of God's countenance. He did not retaliate when roughly used but bore insult patiently. Again and again he was asked, Why do you submit to such despiteful usage, even from your brothers? It is written, he said, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Proverbs 3 verse 1 to 4. End of quote. In conclusion, we see here the ideal it's a very wonderful combination to face all these temptations because it's enough that you are doing the right thing but then for someone to call you to do the wrong thing is already bad enough but to in the, in the midst of all of this not to have a wrong spirit when responding not to have anger in you Or a spirit of vengeance or retaliation when you have done right and people are heaping abuse on you of all kinds. To still retain your integrity is a wonderful thing. Jesus did it as a human being and we can also do it. He gives us the example that we can overcome. In the Crest Collections, page 47, paragraph 6, we are told, Jesus stood forth in human nature, a conqueror, in behalf of the fallen race. He was an overcomer in behalf of every human being, and as a pledge that all who shall receive his name may resist the temptations of Satan and overcome in their own behalf as Christ has overcome in theirs. There is not one of the feeblest of humanity but can be a conqueror by being a partaker of the divine nature. As the branch is united to the vine and becomes partaker of the nourishment of the vine, so he who is one with Christ absorbs the elements of the life of Christ, and are branches of the living vine. Every member of the human family is honored by the achievements of his wonderful victory, making it possible for every soul to be a partaker of the divine nature if he will connect with Christ." End of quote. We need to be encouraged. We can't do it. We can overcome like Jesus. He is the ideal and we can do what he did in his human nature. If you will believe, it is possible that you can be an overcomer. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for making it plain to us and making the way straight and giving the opportunity for us to be partakers of the divine nature. Dear Lord, please, may your divine nature be in us and keep us from falling we ask father that as we have beheld this ideal that you will help us that even though we understand the elevated plan that you have for us we shall not be elevated in self we shall not have pride we shall not see ourselves as superior to others but we shall humble ourselves and be submissive in every way yet having god as the first and best and last in our lives help us lord to know how to do this wonderful combination of being submissive yielding and yet uncompromising in the law of the Lord help us dear father in Jesus name I've prayed Amen this message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for his imminent return for more information and free online resources please visit www.tawas.org, that is www.tawasv.org, or contact info at tawas.org.